It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Hey, welcome back to the National Security Hour on America Out Loud dot news network. That's America Out Loud dot news, where you come to hear liberty and justice for all. Today, your host is going to be Dr. Michael Scheuer, New York Times bestselling author and myself, Colonel Mike. And before we get to today's guests, which <laughs> you're going to be really excited. We just want to review last week's show. Last Monday, we talked about the Tucker Carlson and the Vladimir Putin meeting and interview, which is still rolling. Okay, it's a week later. Today's Monday, and it's it's going to go on two weeks now. So today's Monday, and we're, we're you know we were thinking about it during the week, Mike and I, and we 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 made our notes. We spoke about what we thought. Uh, we kind of thought it was positive. We kind of thought you know like everybody else. Hey, this is pretty cool news. You know, um, hey, if you like the communists in China, why why don't you like Russia? You know, hey, it's a democracy and you know, we have sanctions on them and, uh, you know, they're just trying to protect their border from Ukraine and all these things that NATO's pushing. And in fact, just last week at what they, which is a joke, the Munich Security Conference, where they sent Kamala because Joe Biden couldn't go. Uh, she's speaking about all the all the freedoms of democracy that we have in our country and all the principles. And you can go to C-SPAN and see that. It's a, the transcript is just hilarious. It belongs on a comedy show, you know, with the totalitarians in Washington. So we decided to call a good friend of ours to the Two Mikes podcast, whose uncle wrote the book "The Naked Communist." Now, if you never wrote, if you never read "The Naked Communist," you're going to want to pick up a copy. So what we want to do is bring him on. He's a friend of the Two Mikes podcast, first time on the National Security Hour, and we want to welcome Joel Skousen. Joel, welcome to the National Security Hour with Two Mikes. Well, thanks to both of you, Mike, for having me on. It's good to be with you again on this particular uh, platform. And, thank sir, you. I just I just wanted to thank you also, but I just want to say I, I don't think there's a better person we can get on to go and deep dive and peel the onion, as I always say, with regards to this interview with Tucker and Vladimir Putin. So, Joe, why don't you just open it up for the listeners on AmericaOutloud.news? what your view and, and what you think about this interview. Well, thank you. I've covered this in my weekly world affairs briefing, <clears throat> uh, both last Friday and today. And today, because uh, Tucker was speaking uh, and reiterating his conclusions about the interview to the uh, World Government Summit in Dubai. And it's very unfortunate that the... Uh, the global elite and the establishment has really come out and attacked Tucker uh, as a traitor and as a propagandist for Putin, which isn't really true. Um, his conclusions, uh, unfortunately, do mirror what Putin wanted him wanted to put across to him. And 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 uh, Tucker, unfortunately, came into that interview very, very unprepared, not knowing that Putin was going to steal the interview and basically regale him with a half an hour about ancient Russian history, trying to establish the point that Ukraine has always been an integral part of, of Russia. And it took another half an hour to get to the point of justifying why he had invaded Ukraine. And, and he made it several 
he made several mistakes. Uh, that is, Putin did historically. You know, he blamed the Poles for starting World War II instead of Hitler. He said that his withdrawal from Kiev after the failed offensive was due to a peace agreement he had uh, when, in fact, uh, you know, he, he went away in total defeat after his tank columns were blasted uh, by the Ukrainian defenses on that. But he started uh, in his global security speech. It was actually a, a two-panel discussion there on the platform citing Kamala Harris and her statement at the Munich Security Conference just days before the Russian invasion of, of uh, Ukraine in 2022. And he said, we want you to join NATO. Talking, uh, Kamala Harris was talking to Zelensky. And Tucker says, that's a synonym for we want to station nuclear weapons on Russian border, Russia's border. Now, this was one of the main reasons why Putin had said that, you know, he was invading Ukraine to stop NATO from encroaching or endangering him or threatening him with nuclear weapons by Ukraine joining NATO. But this is totally fallacious for four reasons. Number one, Putin already had the NATO countries of Latvia and Estonia on his border. And he's never complained about their presence. In fact, the Soviets put the phony fall of the Soviet Union or during that or before that, they moved hundreds of thousands of Russians into those countries, in part to provide a future excuse to take them back, just like they did with the people of Ukraine once the, the Russian people were, uh, began to complain about persecution. In fact, in his historical review with Tucker, he did mention and admit what I've said in the World Affairs Brief now for several years, that the Soviets put the Russian-speaking areas of Crimea and the Donbass, eastern Ukraine, into the Ukrainian borders. And Putin says, I don't know why Lenin did this. I don't know why Stalin did this, but I think he did know. They knew, in fact, Lenin had already pulled a a false perestroika uh, or, or how should I say, the Russian uh, uh, a reapproachment with the West. He had pulled this playing like we're gonna be allies with the West. And it was made to get aid and trade. He'd already pulled that once. And I think they were planning on this collapsing of the Soviet Union many years before. And that's why they put Russian peoples into the Baltic states and why they put Russian peoples into Ukraine. So they'd have an excuse to say, hey, we've got to come in and defend these people. They're being persecuted by the Ukrainians. But he made the mistake, Putin did, of not admitting to Carlson, and Carlson didn't bring it up, not knowing history, about the Holodomor, which is the Ukrainian famine of 1932 and 1933, where Stalin came into Ukraine and stole everybody's food, went house to house, took everything out of the cupboards, and literally starved millions of Ukrainians. Now, that is why the Ukrainians in Western Ukraine hate Russia to this day. They remember the starvation famine that Stalin pulled on them during the Soviet years, and you know, Putin has never, never said he's sorry to them. Um, just explained to Putin, you know, they've always been part of Russia and they speak 80% Russian. And so we're all just like brothers. And so this was a natural thing for me to unite Ukraine with Russia. But the second reason, even if Ukraine joined NATO, that doesn't mean the West is going to station nuclear weapons on their territory as Putin, as, uh, as Tucker Carlson said. Nuclear weapons don't have to be on the border to be a threat like conventional weapons. 
They can be launched from anywhere and are actually never put on a border. So that's a false thing that, you know, you're threatening to put nuclear weapons on his border. Number three, NATO acceded to Russia's concern about Georgia joining NATO and did not let Georgia join because they said Putin objects and feels threatened by it. But guess what? Putin invaded Georgia anyway, showing that giving in to Putin's concerns does not guarantee he will not attack those countries aggressively. And number four, the communists embedded in the government, well, were embedded in government in all the Soviet satellite states, and they were never purged after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And so their presence in those nations that are now part of NATO, including Hungary, Romania, Poland, uh, Czechoslovakia, all former Soviet satellite states, the communists were never purged out of the bureaucracy. And so there are many opportunities left over in those countries to spy on NATO operations. I suspect, therefore, that Putin's opposition to joining NATO or to any country joining is more feigned than real, kind of a convenient excuse to say he feels threatened. But the most important admission in the entire interview was when he told Tucker that more or less the Russian leadership effectively initiated the, the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, the official story for many years, as you too may know, is that this was spontaneous uprising from the beleaguered, enslaved people under Soviet uh, leadership in Europe, and that they couldn't stop it, and that uh, that's how the Soviet Union, the wall, finally, they relented and let the wall came, come down. But in fact, by his admission that the Soviet leaders initiated, this confirmed I was vindicated because I'm the only person other than Christopher Story in the United Kingdom that has said for the past 20 years that the Soviet Union collapsed on purpose in order to get aid and trade from the West because they were losing the Cold War, they were losing their arms race, they were losing economically, and this was their way that they, they caught up. And in fact, I went through a, a year ago in March, on the 3rd of March last year, I put out a complete resume of the evidence of why the collapse of the Soviet Union or the fall of communism was falsified and wasn't real. The communism just went underground. And one of Hold the that thought, Joe. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I just want to break in here a second. So this is important, and this is important for our listeners to understand. The fake fall of the Soviet Union. Now, I just said with Mike just a, a few weeks ago, Joel, I said, you know, this is pr pretty much what we were doing to them in, you know, making them spend their way, spend their way uh, where they were going to go broke and need food and aid and so on. Basically, this is what we're, they're doing to us at this point now with this Ukrainian operation running. Don't you don't you agree? I mean, it's just massive yeah. spending uh, with re, with regards to Ukraine. And now it's with, with Israel, too. No. Well, yes, there's, it's a little more complex about, you know, why the U.S. is involved now. But the bigger question is. You know, if I could see the evidence, what Eric Honecker, for example, the former dictator of East Germany, said on his deathbed in Chile, he said, Moscow gave me orders to let the student uh, protest in Leipzig go forward. That's where it all started, in Leipzig. Well, actually, in 1988, it started in Estonia. There was a uh, petition to remove themselves from the Soviet Union. Then it was followed by the students in Leipzig that began rioting. And But the students in Leipzig would say, you know, the only thing we couldn't figure out is where were the Stasi? You know, the Stasi were the secret police of uh, 
East Germany, and they were nowhere to be seen, whereas they were shadowing them everywhere and arresting them if they ever tried to protest before. And suddenly they were free to protest, and they couldn't figure out why. In 1991, when the uh, you know uh, revolution took place more in in uh, in Russia, and you had Yeltsin standing on that tank broadcasting on Red Square about democracy and liberty, and the students were protesting. I watched a, dem- uh, a, a documentary, and the students were saying, just like in Germany, you know, the only thing we couldn't figure out, where were the KGB? They were nowhere to be seen. They let us completely free to protest, and they weren't, uh, uh, you know, interfering. They weren't arresting us. And Yeltsin, of course, was broadcasting on top of that tank, but the television station, which was broadcasting his message of revolt, was in fact still run by the Communist Party, and they didn't pull the plug on the broadcast. So you see, all these are anomalies that are now confirmed when Putin admitted, yeah, we, we pulled the plug on the Soviet Union. But he did so because he had prepared an excuse, a lie, in fact, that we did so because we wanted peaceful reunification with the West. We wanted peace and cooperation, but the West refused to accept us. In fact, he said, you know, Bill Clinton uh, invited us to join NATO, and uh, Putin said, gee, that would be wonderful. Uh, Of course, that's stupid because the only reason NATO existed was because of the Russian threat. So if Russia is going to join NATO, there isn't any reason for NATO to exist anymore. But in any case, he said the advisors came back and told him, no, we can't do that. Now, that was a hint to me that the globalist advisors of Bill Clinton, even back then, knew that the Soviets had faked their own demise, but they weren't blowing the whistle on them. They weren't calling on them. And why would that be? I have the only explanation for that, and that is that I have tracked the Western globalists which is a conspiracy against national sovereignty, trying to get us into a global government in the world, that ever since the turn of the last century, early 1900s, they, for example, financed with $20 million in gold to Leon Trotsky, the communist revolution. That is, this was Jacob Schiff of the Wall Street barons there, gave $20 million to Trotsky. He was on his way on a ship to Canada, Canada, found the gold, confiscated it. They got a call from the White House telling him to give the gold back to Trotsky on his way to Russia. So here we have capitalists, supposed capitalists, financing the Bolshevik Revolution. And then the British... Oh, I think they also got a call from London. Well, that was also followed by 20 million in gold from the London uh, group to to the Bolsheviks as well. And so this is important because it means that this conspiracy to build a future enemy, um, you know, has been going on for over a century. And so it was no surprise to me, you know, that when World War I came along, that the globalists tried to get the U.S. into a global government called the League of Nations, and that failed. The Treaty of Versailles was so onerous, of course, after World War I, that it guaranteed that the Germans would go to war again with the West, which is, I think, what the globalists set up and wanted. And so World War II gave us the United Nations, but it had no military power, no taxing power, no regulatory power. So they need one more world war, a third world war, to push the United States into a global government. And that's why, even after the World War II, when we gave Russia all of that lend-lease, knowing that it was a communist country and would turn on us eventually, 
We also gave them the rest of the plans to the nuclear weapons that they couldn't steal at the Manhattan Project. We gave them the first shipment of enriched uranium. Now, these are not allies. These are known communists. This was after the war. They clearly had turned against us. They had always demanded that we send all of those millions of Eastern Europeans back into Stalin's hands where he could put them in the gulags. In fact, we found out now that the United States never told us that they allowed Russia to take over, well, it was almost 30,000 U.S. and British troops that they had liberated from the German prison camps and took them into Russia as hostages to make sure that Operation Keelhaul would take place. That is, that we would ship back all of the Eastern Europeans to the Soviet Union, even those that had never lived under Soviet rule. And Eisenhower was responsible for doing Operation Keelhaul. Many people killed themselves and committed suicide to keep from going back to Russia. Or to Hold on shipped. a second, Joe. Hold on a second. We're going to have to come up on a break. Now, this is important. I hope you're following what he said uh, to create the enemy. We created the enemy over 100 years, which for you young guys, we call it the bogeyman. The bogeyman, right? So, And then we're, we're continuing to this day. We had to have a Saddam Hussein. We had to have a Middle East. Yeah. We had to you know, do all the destruction we could do within Middle Eastern countries, and we're continuing to today. So hold that thought, Joel. We're so happy. This is beautiful information, very informative to the listeners on the National Security Hour. For many of you who don't know this, including Mike and I, we don't know a few of these things, but uh, we will come back on the other side. We're going to take a break, visit the sponsors, and we'll see you on the other side. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order.
We're back on the National Security Hour on America Out Loud Talk Radio dot news on iHeartRadio, the voice of freedom, the out loud truth. You're in with military and intel experts. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also hear us on a media player from any world browser in the world. We have the best in class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24-7. And now you also can hear them on the podcast on the same apps. All of our shows go to podcasts typically one to two days after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for us. And be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part, share the stories, the articles, the videos, so we can help secure America's future. And you can find out more about our show and get all the latest podcasts on the menu nav at the bar on AmericaOutloud.news under our show or schedule. And as Malcolm would say, with liberty and justice for all, we will continue. We have as our guest today, Joel Skousen of the World Affairs Brief, whose uncle, W. Cleon Skousen, wrote the book, <clears throat> The Naked Communist. You're going to want to pick up a copy if you've never read it. And welcome back, Joel. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we were talking about how the globalists have, in fact, used communists to break down the social order around the world and to create enemies that would give us war after war after war so that they could come in with their milder form of socialism and uh, take over after communists had destroyed countries. My uncle's book, The Naked Communist, uh, documents clearly how these globalists, George Catlett Marshall, who was uh, worked under Schaeff uh, in World War II under Eisenhower, he was the one who was in the Truman administration that cut off military aid to Chiang Kai-shek and allowed Mao Zedong to take over China. So the United States was directly responsible for undercutting Chiang and letting Mao take over. And the reason is they wanted, they were demanding that Chiang make a coalition, uh, join in with Mao in a coalition government. Of course, Chiang knew that every time you do that, the communists always take over. So he resisted and refused. So they cut off military aid. In Wikipedia, when you look at the rise of Mao Zedong, they will tell you that the reason Chiang lost is because his soldiers deserted him. What they don't tell you is that they deserted because the U.S. cut off military aid and they had no bullets. And when faced with a you know war with the uh, Russian communists or the communists who were being supplied by Russia, of course they would desert. It wasn't because they weren't fighting for the right cause, but because the United States cut off military aid. And my uncle documented how we did the same thing with Cuba. We cut off military aid to a pro-Western uh, regime, the Batista. Sure, he had his flaws, but we actually financed uh, through the CIA black budget Castro and brought him to power. We also cut off military aid to Samosa, Nicaragua, and brought the communist Sandinistas to power. And the list goes on and on in Africa and many other places. Of Time after time, these globalists continued to bring communists to power and protect them. And, uh, for example, you know, when they shipped, uh, the United States was shipping the nuclear weapons plants through this Montana Air Force base. Uh, Colonel or uh, Major Racy Jordan was in charge there, and he was very suspicious about the Russians shipping these big black trunks full of diplomatic baggage. And he confiscated them, opened them up, and found these plans to the nuclear weapons. He calls the White House and tells them about it. And Harry Hopkins, a Russian spy who worked for the Truman administration, told him, 
you're to give those trunks back to the Soviets and don't tell anyone about what you saw inside of them. I mean, that's how bad. And that's why McCarthy was so upset all those years about the communists in the Roosevelt, the Truman administration, including Alger Hiss and Lachlan Curie and uh, Harry Hopkins, and all these people. And um, he was vilified because the, the globalists, I mean, sure, McCarthy had his flaws. He was abrasive, but he was right. The Vernona transcripts after the phony fall of the Soviet Union, when they released some of the records, not all of them, proved that, in fact, there were a lot of communist infiltration into the Roosevelt and Truman administrations. And you know, many, many, many people, Joe, and, and Mike, you could say this, you could talk about this, too. Many, many people infiltrated, I guess, I guess from the 30s, right? There was bankers that were involved and, and uh, law firms on Wall Street that were involved yes. in financing yeah. stuff. So, I mean, Mike, do you want to add to that? Well, I think it's it, Roosevelt and Truman and even going back to uh, Woodrow Wilson, those administrations, except for the ones in the 20s, were very riddled with communist sympathizers and um, uh, or agents. And I think that's, you know, that's I, I don't see personally any difference between communism, uh, uh, socialism, Zionism and uh, no, and globalism. It's all the same thing. We'll tell you what to do. We'll feed you what we want or not if we don't want to. And so the problem is enormous, and it has been encouraged by the United States. Only a fool, and I think Roosevelt was probably not a fool, but he might have been close. Truman was a, you know, going to war in Korea with no constitutional authorization to do so. That was just playing into the enemy's hands. You know, they used uh, 80% of the American people until Pearl Harbor would refuse to have anything to do with the war in Europe. But Roosevelt killed that with the help of the, of the Communist Party of the United States once Hitler attacked Stalin and ruined the, that movement. He went to war in Europe. Hitler stupidly declared war on it on him, but that's the war he wanted. And I suspect he and his associates angled us into Pearl Japanese into attacking Pearl Harbor. So it's just a continuation, as as Joel said, for more than a century of this globalist business under various names trying to destroy the United States. Uh, that's, abs that yeah. that's absolutely correct. In fact, Robert Stinnett's book on the Pearl Harbor attack proves that the U.S. had broken the Japanese code. They knew the Japs were coming. They knowingly refused to warn Pearl Harbor. They even shut down the radar so that they wouldn't see the airplanes coming. I mean, it was literally a traitorous betrayal of all the people who died at Pearl Harbor by the Roosevelt administration. It was exactly and, that, Joel. And it was also uh, the, amazing the number of people who didn't protest what Roosevelt did to the Japanese. Uh, that's right. In the sense uh, of, you know, freezing their funds not exporting uh, scrap steel, not exporting oil. What he did was to give the Japs a choice between immolation of their country because they couldn't run it anymore or war. And being, That's right. being sort of a, a very manly kind of country and a very uh, militarily uh, obsessed one, they gave us a shellacking, it, but we let it come and we wanted it to come. At least Roosevelt did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's supposed to get us into World War II. And uh, 
you know, it was just, uh, you know, Alger Hiss is an interesting person. I, I personally believe that Alger Hiss, uh, even though he did join the Communist Party, according to Whitaker Chambers, who was a reformed communist in the party when Alger Hiss joined, I think Alger Hiss was actually a globalist that joined the Communist Party so that they wouldn't wouldn't think anything about him betraying the United States to them, thinking, oh, he's one of us. It's just like Henry Kissinger as a soldier in World War II in East Germany joined the Communist Party, even though he turned out to be the globalist leader under Richard Nixon. Uh, he basically joined the Communist Party so that when he betrayed the United States win at Vietnam at the Paris Peace Talks. And they, the North Vietnamese had actually come because of the bombing campaign that had driven them to the Paris Peace Talks, willing to submit to some type of peace that did not involve completely giving it away. Uh, but uh, Kissinger just said, look, we'll give you South Vietnam, but give us three years before you take it back. And it was almost three years to the day before they did. But why at the Paris Peace Talk? Would he agree to betray Taiwan, kick him out of the UN and replace it with Red China and give Red China a seat on the Security Council with a veto? What was the motive? China was part of the war in Vietnam. They were infiltrating in Vietnam with all those supplies and we weren't allowed. You know, I was a fighter pilot during that era and my squadron just got back from Vietnam. We weren't allowed to bomb Haibong Harbor. We weren't allowed to mine it. Uh, we weren't allowed to attack any of the Russian or Chinese ships uh, pouring in supplies and even troops uh, into North Vietnam. And yet Kissinger at the Paris Peace Talks gave the whole show away to China and rewarded them with a seat on the Security Council. I mean, this is just incredible. You know, Joel, I think I have the answer because he knew as a globalist that he was he was going to be a chief globalist. But he knew at the time in the future, the globalist will, would, would pick China as the where they are today to build them as a country and he'd open up Kissinger and Associates with Mac McClarty who worked for Clinton administration right yes. and he became the main biggest lobbyist he opened the door for all of these companies and all of these ex senators and congressmen and and staffers and so on to do business with China in a, in a, in a big way that they they are now with all the companies that are there including most of the American corporations including federal pensions that are invested in communist China. But I just want to go back to Kuomintang for a minute. Uh, at that time, when Chiang Kai-shek Kai was retreating from Kuomintang, they were all operating out of Burma. And they were trying to get aid, and they couldn't get aid. They were trying to get the aid through the liaisons in Thailand to get more money to operate out of Burma, and it was basically cut off. They were dead on arrival going to Burma. Yeah, Absolutely. So it's it's a tragic case of the globalists building enemies, building enemies, because they really do need this third world war. And this third world war, probably the trigger event, it's not going to start with Ukraine. Oh, let me just finish the Ukraine-Russia uh, scenario about please this. Do, please do. One of the important things that I put out in the World Affairs Brief, as much far as 10 years ago, I said, when we get close to World War III, the globalists are going to have to turn against Russia and China instead of cover for them, instead of excuse their aggressions, as they did during the containment years of the Cold War. They always excused them. Oh, you went you went dead. Hang on a second, Joel. Can yeah. you hear me? Oh, we yes. lost you. We lost you on the sound. We lost okay. you on the sound. I don't know what happened there. Okay, am I back? 
hit a mic or something. Yes, you're back. Okay. So what I was saying 10 years ago is that the globalists will eventually have to start to attack Russia and China openly rather than excuse their aggressions as they did during the containment years in the, the Cold War. And sure enough, that started when Donald Trump surprisingly won the 2016 election, even with 10% fraud that would normally have guaranteed that the Democrats would win. And Hillary Clinton really thought she was going to win. It was guaranteed. But Trump, the, basically the support for Trump overwhelmed the, the 10% fraud that they had built into the system. And so they pulled out the Russia card early. I don't think they intended to start attack Russia early, but they used the Russia card to come against Trump and call it the Russian collusion thing, which turned out to be totally bogus. But you see, the problem with, starting with 9-11, when it became very obvious to conservatives like Ron Paul and others and libertarians that the globalists were doing a phony war on terror. I mean, I documented in the World Affairs Brief how the attack on 9-11 was a deep state operation from beginning to end, including the hiring of the terrorists, the loading of the buildings with explosives, and the using of remote autopilots control to control those aircraft. Uh, There's a lot of military secrets and documentation that we've got to show how they did that, because those, those Arabs couldn't fly those airplanes. I'll tell you as a pilot, you wouldn't even know if you'd flown on a Cessna how to turn off the autopilot on those airplanes, let alone how to reprogram the navigation computer to get back to New York and fly precision things into the Pentagon or the, the Twin Towers. Impossible. And every airline pilot that I've talked to knows that. But the point is, conservatives have began to see that that phony war on terror, and by the way, the United States deep state created ISIS out of about half of the uh, Syrian refugees from the Libya destructive war that they caused, where they did it to bring all those jihadists from Tunisia and Libya into Syria, wasn't really a civil war. It was an invasion by U.S.-backed terrorists. But they took about half those terrorists and created ISIS and sent them on a rampage into Iraq and uh, into, you know, to and even eventually into Europe. And the purpose of those wars of intervention and the wars of terror not only was to create the image of the U.S. as the bully of the world to help China and Russia have an excuse to attack us someday, but it was to create huge refugee flows to flood Europe, which has now changed the face of Europe almost completely. 25% Muslims controlling a lot of those ghettos and other things and causing social unrest in Europe. All that was directly promoted by these globalist wars of intervention. But what happened is as conservatives in the United States saw that the globalists were provoking wars in Iraq and Afghanistan without a real purpose, they began to believe that anybody that the globalists are attacking must be a good guy. So now when Russia attacks Ukraine under the phony excuse that we they're being persecuted and the Russians are being persecuted or there was a, a coup against a duly elected president in 2014, which I've debunked, by the way, in the World Affairs Brief. But they now say, well, Russia must be a good guy because the globalists are attacking them. And that reigns today with all of the Republicans basically refusing to help Ukraine fight against this Russian invasion because they think Russia must be innocent. And going back to the Tucker interview, Putin projected this entire thing that we pulled the collapse of the Soviet to, to have peace and cooperation with the West, but the West rejected us and it 
cast all the blame on the globalist handlers of these puppet presidents that we've had a succession of. So it's a very sophisticated psyop that conservatives have bought in hook, line, and sinker, including the issue that Putin claims to be against LBGTQ, against the woke agenda, against um, uh, the things that conservatives, you know, they find that dear to their heart. He claims to be a Christian, which, uh, Christian, which is no such thing. They don't make colonels in the KGB uh, who are Christian. They don't make them colonels. But they don't understand that during the Soviet years, the Soviets had infiltrated the hierarchy, the Orthodox Church in Russia, so that the Orthodox Church never protested any of the crimes of the Soviet Union, not one never spoke out against it because they had Soviet agents in the church hierarchy controlling the church. And that's one of the reasons why Zelensky went after the Orthodox Church in Zelensky, because during the phony fall, they never purged any of the communists out of Ukraine. And that's why there was so much corruption uh, there that exists to this day. And that's why, while I'm in favor of helping Ukraine with arms, I'm not in favor of giving them any money because of all the corruption that's left over from the Soviet days of occupation and which continued on after ukraine independence um, so it's a complex issue but uh, clearly putin was on a march to re-establish the soviet union as uh, the whole reason for putting those russians back into ukraine and we can't let him get away with that and that's all right hang on we're going to come we're going to we're going to be coming up on a break here this is very interesting now when we get on the, to the last segment joel uh, before we go to break, I just want to mention this. Before we get the second, the last segment, we will. I want to touch a little bit about who financed the Zionists besides the British. And I know you know. So let's go to break and uh, visit the sponsors, and we'll see you on the other side. Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot and America Out Loud News will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act. For our actions always ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our Redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. Asiya, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. All right, we're back. Uh, we're on the National Security Hour on America Out Loud dot news. Our guest today, which we're very happy to have on, Joel Skousen, 
editor of the World Affairs Brief, and we're getting a history lesson here today on AmericaOutloud.news, where you come to hear liberty and justice for all. Joel, let's continue. So now, with all these financing of these bankers and attorneys and uh, globalists over the years, you know, aside from the British, who was funding the Zionists to get that operation rolling? Well, it depends on what time period you're looking at. Um, you remember that it was the globalist at in New York, uh, Wall Street and finance, Jacob Schiff and other people who financed the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. Uh, and these people also um, financed, um, uh, you know, when, when America became the, the strong man, mil, uh, not just militarily, but finance wise, they really... Uh, the, the control of the globalists in the Anglo-American establishment, which was in the city of London to start with. Now, that's the inner city of London, not the broad metropolitan area. Of London. It's the big financial center that used to control the world. That's now transferred mostly to America in terms of finance. And so even during World War II, it was Wall Street. Anthony Sutton wrote that seminal book, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, showing how American capitalist countries financed all of Hitler's uh, war machine, as well as, uh, you know, Krupp Industries and uh, Bayer and all the other bioweapons and uh, uh, industries, etc. And they also financed uh, the Zionists. And remember that the Zionists who were basically exiled to Israel at the end of World War II, a lot of them came out of Russia and they were socialists or Marxists. And so the original Zionist state was a Marxist uh, labor state, the Histadrut, the labor union there in Israel, controlled everything. There was no free market at all. Uh, it was really a, a uh, that's why they had the kibbutzim, which are the, you know, communes where they would take children away and raise them with babysitters rather than with their families. It was really a, a mini communist uh, commune, how they started. It had really nothing to do with religious Zionism. It was a secular form of Zionism, which now has morphed into full-on globalism. And the Zionists um, are really uh, joined at the hip with the American deep state. The Mossad, for example, in Israel does most of the international hit jobs and assassinations for the American deep state. And now almost every Western country has its own deep state that is controlled by the American deep state. Because we control the intelligence. We can intervene in any politics in any country by our surveillance of, uh, of their politicians. And if they're guilty of any immorality or other worse crimes, the U.S. will finger them and blow the whistle on them in the press and get them removed. So almost every country now, including Israel, is a, a subservient. Now, a lot of people think that Israel controls our own deep state, which is not true. But Benjamin Netanyahu is a Kissinger protege. A lot of Americans don't realize that Kissinger and Associates paid for Benjamin Netanyahu's education in the United States. They got him his first job in Wall Street to make him, you know, give him money. And they set him up in politics in, in Israel by having him hold a big international counterterrorism conference to which uh, it was graced with the presence of Henry Kissinger and all these globalist elite. And anybody in Israel who's a young up-and-coming politician who can put on that kind of a show and bring in all those high-powered speakers is an instant hero in Israel. And that's how Benjamin Netanyahu got his start. But he's been under indictment for over 10 years for corruption. 
And that's the way that it is with all of these globalist elite politicians. They all are corrupt and take money, but they're guaranteed immunity. And we've seen that. It's been 10 years and they've never been able to bring him to trial. And he's using this war in part to cover for his own um, corruption so that he, you know, in a wartime, they can't remove him. So it's a mess. Very very interesting. You know, I I was not aware of that. What do you say, Dr. Mike? Well, I, I, you know, I I don't know a lot about Netanyahu. I think he's not worth a tinker's dam as a human being, but I, I don't know anything else really than that. But I wanted to ask Joel, you know, the the argument uh, Putin has made for a long time about us perhaps wanting to put nuclear weapons into uh, Ukraine. We did put in biochemical labs, which gave us a great proximity to Russia. Um, so do you, do you think that the argument that Jack Kennedy made for getting Soviet nuclear missiles out of Cuba, which was 100 miles away, um, is less relevant or, or was the wrong move to do, to risk a world war for that? It just seems to me that uh, Putin geostrategically, commonsensically, would have to be an idiot to have allowed those uh, uh, biochemical places in the Ukraine and uh, the chance of either stationed American forces or missiles given to the Ukrainians. You know, I'm not well, questioning your judgment. I'm just no. wondering about the comparison. For example, the other example, how in the world can a na- nation state of any description allow um, a Chinese cooperation with Mexico in, 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 in their cartels on our southern border, which has resulted both in fentanyl uh, deaths to the tune of almost as many uh, as uh, Americans died in World War II, and to let the Chinese progress to the point where we're going to wake up one morning and they're going to have some kind of a, of a uh, military capability in Canada, unless we stop that. So the idea of propinquity, pr- pr- uh, you know, proximity, I, I think it's a, a genuine a genuine thing to to think about when someone's talking about his motivation to act. All right, let me explain why that why that is not true. First of all, the Russians only had short range ballistic missiles in those days. They didn't have MIRV warheads. Kissinger had not yet given the miniature ball bearing technology to MIRV their warheads to have multiple independent uh, release of warheads. So they only had short range missiles. That's why Cuba was a threat to the United States. But you see, you don't have to move, and the U.S. never would have moved nuclear weapons into Ukraine. It's irrelevant, because why move the missiles into Ukraine where they can be easily targeted by Russian short-range missiles and destroyed? Well, we, the we fact- certainly intend to, apparently we intend to move them into Sweden or into Finland. If no, we get- not at all. That's oh. just talk. There's no need to move any missiles. They can reach... They can reach from the United States anywhere into Russia. They don't need to move missiles into anything. Uh, You see, that's just a talking point to hand Putin the excuse that he feels threatened. Remember, they've never moved nuclear weapons into the Baltic states, which are right on border with Russia. They won't be moving nuclear weapons into Sweden or Finland. There's no need to. But the point is, the Russian thing in the Cuba 
was in fact turned into a loss for the United States because Kennedy not only agreed to take down all of our intermediate missiles that were in Turkey in exchange for removing He never inspected those ships to tell whether or not those missiles actually were removed from Cuba. And he gave Khrushchev a secret agreement that the United States would never invade and remove Castro to power. Now, that's a loss for the U.S. because Castro has been a infestation of communist propaganda and infiltration all through Latin America because of what Kennedy gave away in the Cuban Missile Crisis. But it was not a real win for the United States. Uh, well, it was a win in the sense that it might have avoided a war. Well, look, the U.S. could have destroyed uh, Russia in a war in those days. There really wasn't a threat. Now, you know, you can hype the threat of the nuclear war, um, but in fact, uh, it was a uh, a hollow threat. Uh, Russia wasn't able to, you know, prosecute that. But when you look at the ultimate result to keep Cuba as a bastion of communist infiltration in Latin America in violation of the Monroe Doctrine was a serious loss. And, um, you know, we could talk a lot about uh, Europe, but the point is there's never going to be any nuclear weapons put into Ukraine aimed at it. There's no need to. The nuclear weapons don't have to move at all from where they are, and it would be foolish to do so. So Joe, what do you a, see, Joe? What do you see for South America now? The way South America is moving, keeping Venezuela the way they they've been for what? How many years now since uh, Chavez? Yes. Well, what do remember, you see? Ch- uh, Chavez was part of the combination of Lula da Silva in Brazil, who's now back in power in Brazil uh, through illegal election action, by the way, and computer voting fraud. He got into power, uh, but he's a full communist. He used to hold, and still does now, hold the annual foro in Sao Paulo, where you have all the communist revolutionaries around Latin America come for tactical discussions. Does the Pope go, Joe? Pardon me? Does the Pope attend? No, no. No. (laughs) He he is a Marxist. The Pope is a, a Marxist from Argentina. He's part of the Jesuits, which has always been Marxist within the Catholic Church. And how he ever got elected to the Pope or, you know, just uh, really a sad thing for conservative Catholics anyway, who are ruling the day. But he's turned into a full-blown Marxist globalist now, uh, pushing global integration uh, and defending gay marriage and all kinds of things that uh, really have disturbed Catholics. And rightfully so. Yeah. But well, that's back- the Latin mass. You know, if you like that Latin mass, and uh, many do, uh, he doesn't like it anymore because it's LBGTQ. It just rhymes. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. But, but in any case, you know, the Israeli-Hamas war is a real mess. There's never going to be peace in the Middle East. I've been over there on many fact five, fact-finding tours. In fact, when I was over there, one of the times I found out the real story behind the Israeli attack on the U.S. intelligence ship Liberty. Tell us about that, Joel. You know, a lot of people don't know that. We don't, but a lot of people don't know. Tell us about that. Go ahead. Well, Here's what happened. The Israelis were on the cusp of invading the Golan Heights, Heights, uh, which were infested by Russian artillery advisors that were controlling the Syrian artillery, which was shelling down in the the Jezreel Valley constantly. They had to take the Golan Heights to get the Syrians off of that and their Russian advisors. And so all of a sudden, the Israelis found out that the USS Liberty was steaming at full speed from the central Mediterranean over towards Israeli shores to eavesdrop 
on their operations, as the U.S. always does. But the Israelis knew that the Soviets had penetrated U.S. intelligence, and they were fearful that the intelligence that the liberty would get by eavesdropping on their communications uh, would get back to the Russians and then would warn them about the imminent attack on the Soviet on the Golan Heights. And so the Israelis had their own hotline, called the U.S. and said, turn the ship around. We don't want you eavesdropping. And the U.S. refused. And that's why Israel shot up the liberty, because the U.S. refused to not to to turn it around and not eavesdrop. So it was and an act of war. And, and both governments covered it up because the U.S. didn't want the Israelis telling the world that their intelligence had been, uh, you know, intercepted by the Russians or infiltrated by the Russians. And the U.S. didn't want to blame Israel for attacking the ship, which was the Israeli government or the U.S. government's fault for refusing to turn it around, which was Israel's prerogative, given that this was a wartime situation and a critical attack on the Golan Heights, which was top secret at the time. So that's the real story behind what the Liberty was shot up. And it's been covered up. And the poor sailors on the Liberty, you know, have been have saying, well, you know, this is all the government, you know, gave an excuse that this was to cover for an Egyptian war and other types of things. Uh, they gave every excuse to, other than admit that this was a T to T between Israel and the U.S. over whether or not to let that ship eavesdrop on them. Amazing. I well, I was not aware of that. You know, I, I watched many of the YouTubes on the USS Liberty, and uh, this is this is why you want to, this is why you want to, subscribe to the World Affairs Brief because Joel Skousen comes from a great blood, bloodline of Skousens, and uh, they peel the onion, like we say on the show. They peel the onion. It's always great having uh, a guest like Joel. And, and by the way, before we got a few minutes left. Just a couple of minutes left, Joel. What do you think about that? What is it? Perestroika deception. What was that all about? Well, this was the uh, book by the defector, the Soviet defector, Anatoly Golitsyn, who said that he left the Soviet Union and knew in advance that they were going to fake their own demise in order to you know, gain um, superiority over the West through aid and trade. And this is exactly what happened. You know, we rebuilt the entire Russian oil industry after the phony fall of the Soviet Union. We redid, we, we cleaned up all of their biological weapons mess. And by the way, in answer to your question about U.S. biological weapons, these are not necessarily a threat to Russia. And by the way, Russia has all their own biological weapons still. They are not free from biological weapons research either. Neither is China. They're all doing it. No, I, I don't disagree with that, Joel, but we didn't need to do it in, in a foreign country. Well, you know, but the, the reason they're doing the U.S. globalists are doing this in foreign countries now is in light of uh, Robert F. Kennedy's new book out, which is on the Wuhan. Um, yes. Cover, right. Which is which is really about bioweapons research in the name of vaccines. They have been creating bioweapons claiming that we're just trying to develop a vaccine against them. But why are you creating the bioweapons? You don't have to do a vaccine if you don't create the bioweapons. But they have over 160 bioweapons labs around the world. It's not just Ukraine. It's Romania. It's Hungary. It's in Poland. It's in the Far East, in every country. Oh, gosh, there goes the Kabasi. We only got two minutes left, Joe. We got to wrap it up, so go ahead. Yeah, so what I'm saying is the U.S. can now leak 
a bioweapon from anywhere in the world and blame it on that country because of these bioweapons labs. But this was not targeting Russia because Russia, wow. except that the U.S. is covering for Russia. Russia has its own bioweapons labs, even after we paid to deactivate and clean up all the biological messes of their previous bioweapons labs. We paid for it, American taxpayers. We love paying. We love paying with the taxpayer money, everything (laughs) to other countries, but the American people. Hey, we're really happy to have you on. I want to thank our guest today, Joel Skousen. And thank you for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. And we mean that. And with liberty and justice for all, we'll continue on AmericaOutloud.news. And we'll see you next Monday. Thank you, Joel Skousen. My pleasure. Good to be with you, you, Joel.